0: Hello and welcome back to Recovering Faith Podcast.
1: I initially had something else planned for today, but I had one of those days where I had everything ready to go, and I was about ready to record, and then I somehow deleted all of my notes and everything that I had written, and so um, I called my mother and asked her if she would be willing to be a guest on my podcast. Um, because I was too frustrated to rewrite everything, and <laughs> and so she graciously agreed. So uh, with that, we'll introduce her as uh, my mother, Gloria. Hello. Uh, thanks for coming on today. You're welcome. Uh, so today, uh, there's a lot of things we could talk about, but what I thought I'd talk about since uh, we... Both have uh, had our records removed from the church, uh, from the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Uh, I joined first, and then had my records removed first, and uh, you, of course, joined later and had your records removed later. So, thought we'd talk a little bit about that, and um, and of course, uh, why you joined the church and why you left, and and a little bit about that. So, um, you want to just share a little bit about what made you think it was a good idea to join the church in the first place why it looked appealing to
0: you well I joined the church because it was totally different from the way I was raised I was raised in a um, fire and brimstone religion I didn't like that actually I was tired of religion so I went totally different I decided to join the LDS Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints because it was so different and I was told not to join so I guess I did it kind of out of spite I see Uh,
1: so once you once I joined it was quite a it was a little while before I saw the light and realized that it wasn't quite right but you never did seem so much to really, truly believe in the church. Um, is, uh, is that accurate?
0: That is accurate. I never did believe in it. Uh,
1: so if you didn't really believe in it, what, uh, why did you go through all the motions and do everything they asked you to?
0: Well, I wanted to feel, feel like I belonged. I was, in a way, kind of lost and I needed to feel like I belonged to something. And so since everybody in Idaho was LDS, I kind of felt like I belonged. Although I felt out of place, I still felt in a way like I belonged. So I went through the motions, and it just kept getting harder and harder and harder to keep lying to myself that I believed it.
1: So what was your biggest issue
0: with the church most of the time? Joseph Smith. They put too many emphasis on Joseph Smith and none on Jesus Christ. They worship him like he is a God. And when I was in Relief Society and a woman stood up, started crying and saying that nobody will be saved unless they first go through Joseph Smith, I about jumped out of my chair and my husband had to hold me down.
1: Well, there's a... A lot of the current members of the church don't actually know that the church has that as doctrine, uh, as far as uh, having have the approval of Joseph Smith to be saved. I didn't know about that until I went on my mission and went to the MTC, and it was in the official training manual, uh, which is actually a quote from Brigham Young, uh, that says. That Joseph Smith holds the keys of this dispensation, and no man or woman will enter into the celestial kingdom of God without the consent of Joseph Smith. And even on some of the missionaries on my mission, I'd ask them, I'd say the church believes that, and they said, No, it doesn't. I said, Yeah, it does. Haven't you read your uh, manual? And of course, they didn't. Most of the missionaries didn't do the kind of study they
0: were supposed to, so when I showed them, they were surprised. Well, I never really believed in it, but when that was sad, it just really turned my stomach. And then I started studying and finding so many flaws. And I would show them to my husband, and he would get upset because I would show them to him, and he would say, you're just causing trouble. And I would say, no, this is what happens. And he says, no, the devil's just working very hard. And I said, no, he isn't. So Tom, obviously, Tom wasn't my isn't my father, and
1: uh, he was... In the church his whole life, and it was through the church that you met him. Yes. At a singles, older singles dance, wasn't it?
0: Yes, older singles dance. Okay. Uh,
1: So, when, shortly after I joined the church, I had decided uh, that it was a good idea to serve a mission. What did you think when I told you I was going to serve a mission?
0: Well... First, I wondered who got to you and brainwashed you, and then I thought, well, maybe it will be good for you to be gone for two years, but I hated the fact that the church had you in their claws. It really bothered me. I prayed for you a lot that you would see the light. Well, I'd talked about this
1: a lot in previous episodes, but um, I wasn't happy on my mission because I was trying to do the, be the absolute best missionary I could and following all the rules and doing everything I was supposed to. but at the same time, it didn't seem like I was what it was quite right and I was deeply depressed on my mission. Uh, could you sense that at all in my letters? I, just, I, I tried to hide it. But.
0: I could sense it and I knew you weren't happy at all. I knew things were bothering you and I could sense that in your letters, the things you, you would say. And I always worried about you that uh, it would bother you so bad that you might get in a fight with the other missionaries or get in trouble with your mission president.
1: Oh, I got I had I had a few disagreements with the mission president and um, some of the other missionaries. Uh, they didn't. Other missionaries didn't like that I made them follow the rules. And the mission president didn't like it that I questioned the rules. See, I always followed the rules, but I questioned them. <laughs>
0: Yes, I was told while you were on your mission that uh, I owed eighteen hundred dollars for a dentist, and I said, "What dentist?" Well, the dentist Jean went to. I said, "I didn't know anything about it." I said, "Yes, you owe it," and I said, "No, you sent him on your mission; you pay it." <laughs> oh, yeah. In fact, um, there was a uh, one
1: time that I, a couple of times that I considered going home on my, from my mission, and. Uh, one of the times was when there was a particular point of doctrine that is kind of a touchy and the church doesn't like people who aren't in the church to know they believe it, which is that uh, people can. the church believes that people can become God someday and that God used to be a man. And I asked my mission president if he uh, what i was supposed to tell people if they asked that we believe that, and he said, tell them we don't believe it. And I said, but we do believe that, President. And he said, yes, we do. So basically he outright told me to lie to people about the church's doctrine, and that bothered me a lot. So, uh, yeah.
0: I can see how that bothered you. And another thing that bothered me is because they always talked about polygamy. Tom, my late husband, always said that God was going to bring polygamy back. And I looked at him and said, now, why would God bring something back that he never started in the first place? I said, that was because of men. They wanted to play around, and so they just said, God said. I said, God didn't have anything to do with it.
1: Yeah, there's a, there's a, actually, I've talked to a lot of people that have started to leave the church because of polygamy. I mean, yeah. obviously, church hasn't practiced it in 100 years, but but a lot of people have left it because it's... Because uh, it's, uh, the church believes that it's practiced in heaven, uh, but you know, moving on, you know, but just for my mission, when I went to went to the temple, I remember on the way to the temple, uh, I rode with Tom, and he was telling me it was going to be such a spiritual experience, and and everything, and so I go to the temple, and they have me dressed in these funny clothes, and they're touching me places I didn't think they should be touching me and all this kind of stuff and then and then when we get to the main part of the temple ceremony and I say uh, and we start chanting and stuff and I said to myself holy cow I'm in a cult but I immediately felt like I was sinning because I had was questioning it and and uh, felt bad felt like I was sinning because I was questioning the temple and uh, thought there must be something wrong with me because it didn't seem like a real spiritual experience like everybody said. Uh, what kind of what kind of experience did you have in the temple the first time? What do you think of it?
0: Well, it was kind of eerie. I went in there and the first thing I said, well, I want to sit by my husband. And they said, no, men and women can't sit together. And I said, okay. And they were sitting telling us to say the chants, and I would be humming as they were saying it. I'd go, hum dum 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 and I never would repeat it because I thought, no, I'm not going to do that.
1: I see. Well, so you, um, for a while, I kind of bought the whole line of the church, uh, hook, line, and sinker, and uh, (laughs) obviously you never did.
0: No. when the stake president asked me, are you worthy to go to the temple? I said, I'm every bit as worthy as you are. And he said, okay.
1: Uh, uh, One of the things that really bothered me too is, in fact, one of the early things that started causing me to doubt the church is my patriarchal blessing. Basically, the only things that, he was supposed to be inspired and everything, but the only things that he talked about were things that I had told him and then, uh, the specific things that he told me that were supposed to happen, of course didn't and except for the mission, of course. and uh, so anyhow that my uh, patriarchal blessing gave me a lot of doubt. Uh, and about the same time you got your patriarchal blessing. Um, did uh, did your patriarchal blessing uh, do anything for you? Did it seem like a sacred experience for you or
0: no. I was there and the guy, uh, I think his name was satterfield he had his hands on my head and it was hurting my head so much I kept trying to raise my head up and he had pushed harder and then he said that Tom and I were going to travel the world and we were going to go on many missions together, well we never went on one mission because my husband was a severe diabetic and uh, we very seldom got to travel very far because the doctor wouldn't allow it so right there that was a sour note so um,
1: so after so you mostly stayed in the church because of tom i guess then
0: i mostly stayed because of tom and then there towards the end i would tell him well if you want to go to church you go ahead but i'm not going to so he actually quit going to church because i wouldn't go
1: of course uh with tom i noticed that l- uh, that's the, uh, with him it was the same with a lot of members that say they're active uh, that they pick and choose the, the rules they want to follow uh, a good example of that is Uh, the church stresses for general conference they say that the priesthood session is the most important session for a man and that every man should go to the priesthood session well I would always come by and ask him if he wanted to go to the priesthood session with me and he'd say no and I'd say well I'll buy you ice cream and he'd still say no and you know nothing I could do would get him to go to the priesthood session he just wouldn't do it and I always thought well if if the church is so important and everything they say is the word of God why is it as so difficult to get people who say they believe it to follow these rules.
0: That's true. I noticed there was a lot of that going on and on uh, football Sundays Tom would always leave early because he wanted to watch football. Some Sundays he wouldn't go to church because it interfered with the church time so he'd just stay home so he could watch football.
1: Yeah, that's uh, obviously the church doesn't approve of that but there's a lot of people who would do it. I had a, I had a, in a singles word, I had a bishop that uh, he was really into football, and his wife wouldn't let him watch football on Sunday because it was Sunday, and so he would uh, set, record it, and then he would get up really early before work, and on Monday morning and watch the football before he went to work because otherwise he'd get to work and everybody would run it for him and so so he'd wind up getting up at like four in the morning so he could watch the football game
0: that's dedication I'll tell you to football well I wasn't in the in crowd in my church I did a lot of things and said a lot of things and one fast and testimony Sunday I got up and I said do you know why there's so much murder and starvation and mayhem in the world and I waited a minute, and I said, that's because God is too concerned if Mormons drink coffee or not. It's taking all of his time. He doesn't have time for anything else.
1: Whenever I'd visit your ward, I always notice that uh, people seem to treat you different than, I mean, me, they, me, I was towing the line, so they treated me as would have been expected, but I noticed that they were a little, treated you a little different, and, I'd be, and people would say things about you you know And in fact I remember some people would tell me that you didn't really have a testimony of the church and I'd say oh no no she believes it because at the time that's what I wanted to believe I wanted to believe that you believed it
0: yeah no I I didn't believe it I just tried to convince myself I did but that didn't stick I would tell Tom that I didn't believe in it that I didn't believe in Joseph Smith, and he'd get really upset and say, "Well, you can't go to heaven." I said, "Well, where in the Bible does it say I have to believe in Joseph Smith to be saved?"
1: You know, with the way the church is set up, uh, a lot of people actually. I mean, a couple of different uh, ex-Mormon groups. One of them is ex-Mormon Christians, but the other one is just ex-Mormon. And there's a, the majority of the people in the other in the ex-Mormon group. Uh, have completely lost all faith once they left the church because a church has it set up so that one, that if you really believe in the church and then you lose your testimony to the church then you think that there's nothing else out there and I was there for for a while and uh, as you remember I completely lost all faith when I left the church because I devoted so much of my time and energy to the church and then when I left the church I lost my faith for a while um, And I know, yeah, so, uh, were you surprised that I went from being so, I guess, uh, high-strung on the church to completely hating anything and everything religion?
0: Actually, I was not. I was surprised that you stayed in it so long, and then I was surprised that you stayed anti so long, but always prayed for you and I would say well you're in God's hands he knows the right time and he knows what to show you or have the right person to come around to show you that he's real that he does exist so when I uh,
1: I didn't st- wasn't in the church all that long I, w- I was only spent about uh, a little over 10 years of my life in the church
0: That was way too long that was uh, nine years and 11 months too long
1: and then I was considered myself an atheist for about three years.
0: Yes, and that was a long time. But I knew you was not an atheist, and I would tell people, no, he isn't an atheist. He just thinks he is. <laughs>
1: I remember the very last Sunday I ever went to an LDS service, and I was talking to the Elder Scorn president who was uh, in investments. And... I told him I said, "Well, let me put this in the terms you can understand. If I, if you were investing in a, uh, some kind of investment, and you were investing in your time and money in it, and it wasn't showing any signs of return, how long would you invest in that before you decided to cut your losses and move on? Uh, would you go? Would you go a year, two years, five years, ten years?" And he said, "Oh, I'm not more than." He said, "Probably not more than a couple of years." And I said, "Well." I've been investing heavily in the church for over 10 years, and I've not seen any return on my investment or any promise of return on my investment. So um, it's time for me to cut my losses.
0: Yes, I can see that. Well, I never invested anything in it. I would actually, some Sundays, after we got out out of church, I would go to another church and sit in there, and I never told Tom about it for... A long time because I knew he'd get upset but I just felt the need to get something spiritual uh, someone asked me what I thought about a Mormon church and I said they are the deadest dullest place I've ever been in my life
1: so you said you didn't invest anything in it, so does that mean you didn't pay your tithing
0: well I paid tithings only because Tom insisted and um, He always wanted to pay a lot, but I, the last couple of years, we didn't pay any tithings, but he did pay tithings, and I only did that because Tom insisted on doing it. See, I I paid tithing. Even if it was that I had to choose
1: between buying groceries or paying tithing, I'd pay tithing because that was what was expected of me.
0: Well, if it was paying tithings or buy food or something, we bought food. And I would tell the bishop, "No, I just don't have it. If you want me to pay the tithings, then you give me the money, and then I'll give it to the church, but I don't have it,
1: yeah, see so yeah, I was, yeah, was uh I, I believed on it in a, a whole other level, <laughs> yes, you did uh basically uh. If the church told me to do something or asked me to do something, I would do it. I might question why they were having me do it, but I would al- ultimately do it.
0: Well, not me. They told me I had a calling, and I said, what calling? Well, the calling you were given last week. And I said, I wasn't given a calling. Well, yes, you were. I says, no, no one told me about it. Well, the Lord, and I said, oh, don't tell me the Lord said. You and several other people were in the office and decided, well, let's see, the Milers haven't had anything to do. Let's give them a calling. I says, no, I'm not taking it.
1: I bet that went over well. It, well, it went
0: over real well. So,
1: while you were in the church uh, actively going, even though you didn't believe it, did you hear... Uh, really anything about like the mountain metals massacre or or any of the uh, or the controversy with the uh, book of
0: Abraham oh Not. no no never they never said anything about no, it. no I
1: didn't mean in church I meant, did you hear it did you hear about it outside of church oh
0: yes I heard about it outside the church yes
1: see um First time I ever heard about the Book of Abraham not being what Joseph Smith said it was, was on my mission. I think I was in my uh, second or third area, and I remember that. Um, Yeah, I'd heard about it, and so I asked my mission president if it was true, and instead of answering me whether or not it was true, he told me that I just needed to pray until I knew the Book of Mormon was true, and if the Book of Mormon is true, that means that the entire church is true, which is the kind of logic that isn't, but...
0: Yeah, I was told that um, I didn't have enough faith, I needed to pray more, and I said no I do have faith I have faith that the Mormon church is wrong I have very strong faith and they said well pray some more and God will show you I said well I can take my shoe and I can pray all I want that God will turn it into an apple or show me it's an apple and it won't be an apple it's still a shoe
1: so it's um, it's fairly obvious then that that despite the fact that we joined the church at about the same time we joined for Pretty much different reasons, and we had an extremely different experience in the church.
0: Yes, extremely different. I wasn't going to take any of that, and um, I mainly joined, like I say, to belong, and then when I married Tom, I stayed going, I stayed a member because um, it was important to him.
1: I remember the first uh, I remember at one point my stake president I had asked well I asked my bishop a question and he didn't know so he sent me to my stake president and I asked my stake president and he has a response he said well Brother Curl I don't know the answer to that question but if you keep asking questions like that I'm going to be forced to ask to communicate you and that really struck me I mean I wasn't trying to cause trouble and i wasn't uh i just wanted answers and at the time just the very thought of being excommunicated from the church scared me because i thought that being in the church was the only way to get to heaven because that's what they teach or at least the only way to get to the higher levels of heaven like the mormon church teaches and and i thought well being excommunicated would mean that i would would probably go to what they call outer darkness or something and anyway and and I thought not just for asking just for asking questions
0: yeah they were like that well I'm actually surprised I did not get excommunicated with all the things that I would say and do I think they were kind of afraid maybe I was like a uh, ticking time bomb they didn't know what I would do so um, they kind of walked easy around me But I am surprised they didn't excommunicate me.
1: Well, it seems odd because, like, you almost acted like you were trying to get them to kick you out, and they didn't do anything. And me, I wasn't trying to get kicked out, and I really believed it, and I just wanted some answers to some questions that bothered me because I thought, well, if I know the answers, it'll increase my faith. And, um, of course, uh, I discovered later that it's because they don't want you to see the man behind the curtain.
0: Yes, they don't want you to see the man behind the curtain.
1: But at first, would just thought, well, if I don't, you know, I if I know the answers, I'll have more faith. But it turned out, the more I learned about the church, the more the uh, less faith I had in it.
0: I would ask questions. I would say, "How come, you know, this? How come this?" And they would say, "Well, you're just not supposed to ask questions. You're just about, supposed to believe what we tell you." I said, no, I'm not going to believe what you tell me because I want to know why this happened, and they never would tell me.
1: So did, um, I don't remember if I've ever asked this, but while I was on my mission, did you ever talk to my mission president or get any letters from my mission president or anything like that?
0: I got a couple of letters from your mission president, but I never talked to him personally.
1: yeah i didn't I didn't really know. All I knew is that at some point know uh, you came to visit Hawaii while I was on my mission, and I remember my mission president told me that you were coming and said that he was going to make sure that we didn't that you didn't see me while I was there while you were there. <laughs>
0: Yeah, and I didn't try to see you. I knew that you couldn't, so we didn't ask or anything. We, I purposely went to places where I didn't think you would be. I didn't want to cause any trouble.
1: That's, you didn't want to cause any trouble? Well, basically, you didn't want to try. You'd like to cause trouble. You just didn't want to cause any trouble for me.
0: Well, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. <laughs>
1: Because from all you've been talking about before, you at least in your own ward, you liked to cause trouble.
0: Well, I did. I, I caused a lot of trouble. Um, the prayer cloth was one thing. My mother was Pentecost, and she believed, or is Pentecost, I should say, and she believes in the prayer cloth. So when Tom was in the hospital, she sent a prayer cloth. And the uh, bishop, stake president, and the counselor and second counselor came over. And I was talking about the prayer cloth, and they said, "Oh, you can't do that. That's of the devil." And I said, "No, it didn't." And they said, "Yes, it is. You can't do that. You need to get permission from Salt Lake City." I said, "I don't have to get permission from Salt Lake City." They said, "Yes, you do." I said, "No. If I want to give it to him, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give it to him." And then I said, "You don't even believe in your own Bible, do you?" Well, yes, we do. I said, "No, you don't." because Joseph Smith prayed over a handkerchief and had Brigham Young take it to some people, and it was as if he was touching them. I said, uh, so no. And they said, well, you're going to do what you're going to do anyway, aren't you? And I said, yes, I am.
1: Well, yeah, but the thing I think about that is that because Joseph Smith was, in their mind, authorized because he was the prophet, so...
0: Yeah, they thought it was um, with unholy hands that... uh, prayed over that because it was not a Mormon church
1: well it's not just the rules are fairly stringent in the church it can't just be uh somebody in the church even you're not even a priesthood holder you know you have to be certain authorized people to do certain authorized things and because they're all about their rules and if you're not a, the authorized person to do the certain thing then it doesn't count
0: yeah I know but I wasn't going to let them tell me that I could not do that, what I could and could not do.
1: There was, it was, it was actually uh, funny to think about it there. Um, I remember I I was always following the rules, and sometimes I would, I I tried not to harass you about it, but I always thought that you weren't following enough of the rules, and, and Of course, on my mission, I followed all the rules, even if I thought the rules were stupid. And when I'd meet somebody who had left the church, I thought, man, that was stupid. I don't know why they would have left the church. And and, uh, one time on my mission, I don't know if I ever told you about this in a letter or told you about it later, but uh, it was in Honolulu, up in this... uh, fancy neighborhood. In fact, if I were to go to Honolulu now, I could point out the exact house. But it was knocking on doors, which is, by the way, the mo- the least effective way of finding people to, to join the church. I think they just wanted to keep us busy. But anyhow, going door to door, knocking on doors. And this one lady answered the door. And after talking to her for a while, she told me, uh she didn't say this to my mission companion, which i thought it was curious but she told me she said uh she said in 10 years you're not going to be a member of that church or no i guess she said yeah yeah i think it was 10 years she said she said in 10 years you won't be a member of that church and i said i told her i said yes i will i said in fact i'm going to come back with my i said i'll come back someday with my kids or grandkids and uh i'll still be in the church and, uh, you know, I thought I for, had forgotten about that for years. And then at some point after I had left the church, I was going back reading my journal on my mission that I wrote on my mission, and I came across that, and I'm like, huh, what do you know? She was right.
0: Yes, you did tell me about that. Well, I know that uh, for a while, when I would have the, the uh, visiting teachers or home teachers come over, I would hide the coffee pot because they didn't believe in drinking coffee. And so I would hide it.
1: You must have hid the coffee pot from me too, because I never did see it at your house,
0: yeah, I used to I kept it hid under the <laughs> cabinet, <laughs> and then one day I thought, why am I hiding the coffee pot and so I started leaving it out and i I got black uh, over that I'll tell you for sure,
1: yeah, because I never did see a coffee pot at your house or any <laughs> evidence of it, so I figure you if you were drinking it, you must have hid it from me because I <laughs> I mean I probably would have said something i well, actually I'm sure I would have. oh yeah
0: y- yeah you would say something to me because when I'd stop at McDonald's I'd get a coffee and you'd get on to me for drinking a coffee <laughs> uh,
1: yeah it's the thing is it's like the church says that and uh, several of the prophets of the church have admitted that if the church is true it's the greatest thing in the world but if it's not true then it's the biggest scam in the world.
0: <laughs> it's the biggest scam in the world. And so, it
1: just... So your your whole time in the church, was there ever a time that you even kind of thought it was true?
0: No, I never thought it was true because I never felt it and I knew that it couldn't be true when they worshiped a person instead of God. And when I would mention it to them, I said, why does the church put so much emphasis on Joseph Smith? And they said, well, because that is the church. And I said, yeah, but it should be Jesus. And so, no, I never believed any of it. Like I say, I went because of Tom and I joined because I wanted something different. But no, I never did believe in it.
1: So, so you never did believe that a 14-year-old Joseph
0: Smith saw God? No, I never did. And when I got baptized in the church, I well, actually when I got baptized, and as they were baptizing me, I said, God, I am not getting baptized into a Mormon religion. I am getting baptized for you. That was... Hmm.
1: So... I guess in a way I have a hard time understanding why you would join the church if you didn't believe its foundational story about Joseph Smith because, because uh, if Joseph Smith wasn't a prophet, if he didn't actually see God, then the whole church is a lie.
0: Yes. Like I say, I joined because I wanted something totally different than what I had uh, been used to. But I knew right away that I didn't believe in it, and I guess it just, I guess a status symbol, you know, everyone's Mormon, and you you can say, well, yeah, I'm Mormon too, although I didn't believe in it. It was that um, belonging.
1: See, I I put so much time and effort and everything into the church that when I realized it wasn't true, it completely rocked my world.
0: (laughs) Yes, I know it did. It did, but I'm glad that you saw the light, and that you're where you are now you're in a good place
1: like when i was when I was on my mission, I would have never thought that I would ever be hosting a Christian podcast, especially a Christian podcast that is uh uh not favorable toward mormonism uh fact on my mission i didn't know what a podcast was but that i mean really i never i never thought that i would ever leave the church i had several people actually tell me i would leave the church someday and i and i didn't believe them i thought they were crazy i'm like there was no way i'd ever leave the church
0: yeah you were in it uh, you went in it head first gave it your all but I knew that you had doubts because the things you would say and the way you would act, I knew you had doubts. And I knew there was a little bit of hope in there, a little spark that would keep growing and growing and that you would actually see that it wasn't the place for you.
1: See, people ask me a lot now why I I can't leave the church alone and I say, well, part of the reason is, the biggest reason is, is that it's not... It's not true, and I don't want to see people believing something that's that could potentially lead them someplace other than heaven. And I, you wouldn't just stand by and watch somebody you care about drink poison, so I wouldn't just stand there and, and let people believe this either, because in a way it is a poison. And the people in the church, most of the people are great, but, but the church itself is based on... Uh, things that aren't true, and and it's I thought it was at the time, but the LD, the uh, doctrine is absolutely not Christian. Uh, has about as much to do with Christianity as a Vietnamese meat market has to do with pet adoption.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, I remember when you first joined. I would say, Jean. Don't go cramming this down people's throats. They don't want to hear it. Just, just don't cram it down their throats. I said, don't be so gung-ho. Just, you know, take it easy.
1: Well, it was funny. It was part of being gung-ho that part of the... It was because I was so gung-ho about it and that uh, that I was confronted with so many things against the church. And, you know, uh, as a lot of people who left the church, they talk about it. It's like their shelf cracked or their shelf fell down where these things, it's, it bothers you, but you put it on your shelf and forget about it. Well, eventually there's so many things that the shelf breaks.
0: Your whole house crum- crumbled.
1: <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> but, you know, now the big reason I talk about Mormonism a lot is because, see, true Christianity is is it's all about what god did for us i mean if you read the bible we can't save ourselves that our best works are basically just like filthy rags and uh nothing nothing we can do will ever earn earn having to earn our salvation but we are given salvation by the grace of god because because of his mercy and not because of anything that we've done and where uh where mormonism the, I know. I know Nelson wants us to call it the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints, but but you know what? If Mormon is, if the term Mormon was good enough for Gordon B. Hinckley and uh, Joseph Smith and Brigham Young and all the other prophets, it should be good enough for Nelson too. And I'm going to call it Mormonism. So, anyhow, um, Mormonism is all about works, working out and uh, earning your salvation, and it's not something that can be earned. And the Bible says that, you know, or Jesus says that there'll be people that'll come to, that'll approach him at the end of his life. And they'll say, well, haven't we done such and such in, in your name? And he will say, tell them uh, to depart because he never knew them.
0: Yes, that's true. You know, I think one reason why I never believed the Mormon church is because you couldn't feel the spirit there and I always believed in God. I always believed that He could come to you personally, that you would have a personal walk with God. But in the Mormon Church, they never had that. You never felt anything spiritual. It, it was—I don't know—it was almost like being in a funeral every Sunday.
1: Well, I don't remember if I ever told you this, and pick up—I probably didn't because I didn't want to admit it, not even to myself, but. I always struggled because everybody talked talk about it had this strong testimony of the church and had a spiritual witness that it was true. And well, I never did. And, and I was told, well, you didn't get a spiritual witness because you already knew it was true, so it would have been redundant so, so you didn't get a spiritual witness. And I said, well, it would be nice to have anyway. And so I struggled with that. Well then, after my mission, my very first Sunday home after my mission, uh, I believe I was, went to your ward and I was sitting there in church and, well, I don't guess it was my first Sunday home or, I don't know, it was shortly after I was home, it doesn't really matter. But I was sitting there in the church and I was, and I was thinking about why I didn't have a spiritual witness that the church is true when everybody else did. And then I started thinking about it. Well, maybe everybody's like me. Maybe nobody has a spiritual witness but they don't wanna be the only one who didn't have a spiritual witness, so they won't admit they didn't have a spiritual witness, and everybody's in the same boat. And it's kinda like the emperor's new clothes. Uh, Even though the emperor clearly doesn't have any clothes, nobody wants to be the only one who can't see the emperor's clothes. And so for anybody who might not be familiar with that story, there was a story uh, where there's these crooks basically, who got hired to make the Emperor some new clothes. And instead of making him new clothes, they just, because they couldn't make clothes because they're just criminals, they just took the money for making the clothes and then they said the clothes were, they dressed him and they convinced him he was wearing clothes and everybody else they convinced him to were wearing clothes and the Emperor went out without any clothes on and he was nude and everybody Uh, Nobody wanted to say that they couldn't see the clothes because everybody else said they could see them, and so everybody just went along with it. And that's what I started thinking that maybe the whole testimony thing was, but it really bothered me that I even thought that, and I tried to forget that I had thought that, but uh, that I started thinking, you know, maybe it's not just me. Maybe I'm not the only one who didn't have a a spiritual witness of the church. Maybe nobody has had it, but nobody was willing to admit it.
0: You know, I think you've hit the nail on the head. I really do believe that's the way it is. Everyone wants to make the other person believe that they have it because, well, they want to fit in. Oh, yeah, 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 I know. I I have it. Boy, I felt that. And when they would ask me if I felt anything, I would say no. And I never did. Never felt anything.
1: So were you... So you were, I guess, were glad then when I finally left the church.
0: I was very glad, yes. Very, very glad.
1: Were uh, were you surprised that I eventually... uh, Well, I've been doing it for around a year and a half now. But were you surprised that I started a Christian podcast?
0: No, I was not. Because even when you were little... You always said you wanted to be a preacher and help people. Well, you may not be a preacher, but you're still doing what you always wanted to do, helping people.
1: Well, at least I, at least I hope I'm helping people. So, Well, that's, is there anything else that you would like to... Any interesting, exciting stories or anything else that you'd like to share with the listeners uh, before we end?
0: Well, I would just like to say that if anyone is out there and they're wondering if Mormonism is right, well that's the first thing. If you have to wonder if your religion is right, then something's wrong with it right there. Then you need to really pray and you need to really seek, because you should not wonder, It should not even cross your mind if your religion is right.
1: Well, you know, um, pretty much Except for like the last four years, pretty much my entire adult life, I've been a bus driver. Yes. And people uh, uh, when I was a member of the church, had his, uh had a religious group, and there was uh, this youth pastor, and he was talking about how all the all the kids shouldn't just take his word for it; that they should examine the archaeological evidence for the Bible and uh, and all this stuff, and I. And I thought, wow, in Mormonism, they would never tell the kids to not believe them to find out from external sources, never in a million years.
0: No, because they start whispering in their ears when they're little and tell them, when they're given their testimony, they tell them what to believe, and then they tell them they believe it, and then they grow up, and they're still whispering in their ears, telling them what to say and what to believe, and then by the time they're adults, they're so brainwashed that they don't know any better well
1: that's about probably
0: is uh about it for this
1: episode i appreciate you coming over and being willing to um chat with me for a while and and even more important than that i appreciate it that you put up with me for all these years even when i wasn't exactly so tolerable
0: well thank you for having me and i will not comment on the other (laughs)
1: Uh, Well, everybody, thanks for listening. I hope you got something out of this episode. If not, well, it's too bad. They can't all be winners. So Uh, thanks for listening,
0: and God bless, and I'll catch you next week.